You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1. O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and fully loaded chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And today we are talking all about game calls, specifically dual game calls. And once again, Larry McCoy is the guest that's going to talk about that. Um, We have a really good conversation up front. As you know, most of you know, the world is just kind of in a big mix, mixing bowl right now as far as uh, material, uh, shipping, uh, manufacturing, like everything's behind, right? It's taking longer to get orders. Um, shipping is a nightmare. Uh, material is backed up to in just about every industry, uh, especially in the hunting industry. And so um, we're talking with Larry today, and he basically kind of um, just confirms that. And the the factory, some of the factories that are under the outdoor group umbrella, right? Uh, dual game calls is one of them. They are working 24 hours a day trying to get their uh, their orders filled and shipped, and uh, it's been crazy. And I asked him, and this is, uh, this is a good thing as far as the hunting industry is concerned. I asked him, what, um, you know, is, is, we're coming off of huge years in the outdoor industry and in how companies have been making really good money. They've, uh, in some instances, had record sales years. And if he feels that 2021 is going to be that as well, and and, uh, you'll have to hear what he has to say about that. Pretty interesting. But on today's episode, we're talking about dual game calls, specifically whitetail, you know, deer calls, elk calls, predator calls. And I... I don't use a lot of calls when I go hunting. Uh, I, you know, obviously elk calls and predator calls are, are two things. But when it comes to uh, two different things, but when it comes to whitetails, uh, the uh, I don't overcall anymore. I used to be that guy that ran a whole bunch of sequences. Um, and Larry talks about the testing, the research, the material that goes into their calls, how 
he feels that um, their calls are some of the most realistic sounding calls on the market today and he explains all of that in today's episode we talk about predator calling we talk about elk we talk about whitetails um, and just about uh, and he also um, has given calling tutorials throughout the uh, you know in the past years and he talks to us a little bit about some some deer calling strategy in this as well which is a, a nice change of pace for the hunting gear podcast but dual game calls is the topic today and uh good company i've never used their products uh, before so i don't really have anything to say personally about it but uh um larry's a good guy and he does a really good job explaining uh, the company and the functionality the engineering the, the the company or the products as well so listen to all that all right commercial time real quick we got we're going to talk about the average conservationist first that is an apparel company Go to theaverageconservationist.com. These guys are making some really cool logos. Uh, like uh, it's a it's a, really a lifestyle brand, right? They have awesome shirts, hats, hoodies. Uh, they they have some other little gadgets as well that you can buy. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, I absolutely love their their product line, right? The t-shirts first and foremost. They're the kind of t-shirts that fit good around the arms and chest and hide your love handles really well. So they don't, they're not tied around the love handle area. Uh, so that's, uh, that's one thing I really like, but the logos are just kick ass as well. Um, I have the compass hoodie, very comfortable. Uh, I have the general hat, the trucker style general hat. That's uh, a badass hat. I have the, what's the other one that I have? The Euro T, another awesome product. Now, uh, as far as coolness is concerned, obviously, but they're durable as, as well. Hats, t-shirts, hoodies. But here's the kicker with this company. 10%, not two, not one, 10% of all of their um, revenue, gross revenue at that, goes to a conservation organization or a conservation effort, whether it's local, state, or you know, uh, n- nationwide. They're giving back right off the top before they even pay their taxes. So that is something that a lot of companies should be doing right now, but for some reason choose not to, right? And these guys are leading by example. So that's a, when you're looking for a, a cool hunting t-shirt uh, or a cool hunting hat, think of the average conservationist uh, because these guys are uh, not only talking the talk, but they're walking the walk when it comes to conservation. Also, check out the Average Conservationist podcast on the Sportsman's Nation here. <clears throat> I got to take a sip of water for this next one. All right, so I think that you guys, if you haven't listened to the Hunt Stand episode yet, you need to go listen to the Hunt Stand episode on uh, on the Hunting Gear podcast. I think it was last week or two weeks ago is when we launched it. But, you know, here's what I'm going to say. Go to HuntStand.com. Check out all the functionality that you can use with this hunting app. Now, if you're like me, you're like, oh, man, before I started using HuntStand, I've been using uh, some other platform that does something similar. Uh, HuntStand's cheaper. HuntStand has more functionality. But I have all years of data saved on my other platforms that I've been using. Well, I just found this out recently that now 
you have the ability to import pins from other, uh, let's say, Onyx. Let's say you have two, five, ten years worth of uh, worth of pins on Onyx. You can literally upload those or import those from that platform to the Hunt Stand platform, and now you only need one platform to do that in. And uh, that's pretty badass, right? So now you don't have to run double of anything. You can just pick what you want on HuntStand. And they have like uh, they have a ton of different maps to choose from. The functionality is absolutely amazing. So check out HuntStand.com. And I think, I mean, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to talk about HuntStand here. It's, I've been playing with it around, around with it a lot lately. And uh, it's... It's pretty badass, man. So, again, I'm not going to sit here and list every function, you know, except that's what commercials are supposed to do. But here, I'll say, go to HuntStand.com, check it out. Lastly, LoneWolfHuntingProducts.com and the Lone Wolf sticks, climbers, hang-on stands. And uh, I'm just going to... I'm trying to think back to all of the deer that I've killed in the last real quick I'm trying to think of all the deer that I've killed in the hand last year is a different story because I shot it from the ground while I'm walking to my stand uh, to the place where I was going to hang my stand because the four sticks and assault were on my back now every deer that I've shot the last five years has been on in this combination four sticks and an assault I love the mobility of it the ease of use the ease of setting up tearing down it's quiet and here's the kicker not people just don't get it you can set this tree stand up and level it in crooked trees you can't do that with several other products on the market you have to have a a straight tree so now what you're doing instead of looking for the right place to hunt you're looking for a straight tree and if you're on a hillside that could be uh, a tough thing to find if you're in like some kind of swamp where there's real short trees and all the branches are coming up uh, and there's not a lot, you know, scrub brush basically. That's going to be hard. So Lone Wolf has the ability to level and set up in crooked trees. And that is a win, not only from the uh, comfortability standpoint, but just putting yourself in the absolute best position to kill a target animal. And uh, that is why 13 years ago I started using... There's maybe even more than that now, but several years ago, um, using Lone Wolves, and here I am today using the exact same thing because they work, right? If there was something better by now, I'd be using it, but there's not. So, LoneWolfHuntingProducts.com, and if you do decide to purchase, enter the discount code, and what's the discount code here? 9FC21, 9FC21, and that's going to save you $50 off of all purchases over two hundred dollars so uh that's a a no-brainer take advantage of that and especially now that the season started okay commercials are done now let's get into today's game call episode i guess we'll call it with dual game calls and larry mccoy all right on the phone with me once again from dual game calls larry mccoy larry what's up man hey how you doing doing good man i don't know about you but i have my first hunt coming up in about four weeks and i am 
I'm excited, but I'm not ready all at the same time, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it makes total sense. I've, I've, uh, yeah, we're going to be kicking it off here, uh, you know, really soon for the show. First of September, I think in Nebraska. Uh, so we'll have a pretty busy fall and, and yeah, it's been absolutely crazy. So it's, it's, when you're this busy, it sneaks up on you even faster than it usually does. Yeah. Uh, Cause I feel like I'm, you know, prepared and everything, but, but super excited for it, you know? Yeah. Um, you, uh, we, we had to cancel a couple, uh, a podcast in the last couple of weeks that we had scheduled to record, but it's because it's of a good thing, right? You guys over at the outdoor group with all your brands that you guys manage and run, um, have been extremely busy. And I want to get your opinion on this. We saw that through the COVID, you know, the 2020, um, a lot of brands within the hunting industry saw record high sales, if not record sales throughout that year, because everything shut down everybody kind of rekindled the outdoors and, and the hunting type uh, lifestyle and got back into it. Do you see that continuing on this 20, uh, 2021 hunting season? Yeah. I mean, you know, for sure. It's, it's been a, uh, you know, it's good to see people getting back outside and kind of getting back to the roots and, and even new hunters uh, coming about. We we're receiving tons of questions from new hunters uh, so there's really a new market of hunters out there uh, now as well, and they're starving for information. So, the, you know, we appreciate people like yourself that that's willing to spread that. But I do, I agree with you. You know, I think that this season is going to be super busy from the manufacturing side all the way from game calls to, to bows to really every every piece of that business that, that involves hunting or outdoor recreation they've been they've been swamped and i think it's going to continue to be that way the biggest challenge has been you know um you know getting product uh to you know out the door you know quick yeah. enough because mo- majority of the businesses are up and that's been a challenge and like you said we've had to unfortunately cancel a few of our recordings here uh you know of late and it wasn't by intention oh yeah crazy things you know just super super busy and and uh with we're trying to get get stuff out the door making sure we're you know, the retailers and the customers and customer, you don't have product to, you know, have product in hand. Right. So for, for someone like me, who's not necessarily connected, you know, I'm, and I'm connected a little bit more than the average guy. Uh, the average guy is like, Hey man, I can't get my product that I ordered. Uh, what's, what's the deal here? So from a manufacturing standpoint, I've heard a whole bunch of different, um, scenarios, uh, lack of labor force, lack of materials, shipping issues and importing issues as well. Where are, what is causing to this? And it's not only in the hunting industry. I mean, I, I even noticed it with SD cards for, uh, trail cameras Mm -hmm. have been on the short as of lately. And so, my question to you is within, you know, the, the outdoor group, where are you guys seeing your biggest hurdles as far as getting orders out the door to customers? Uh, simply it's capacity and, you know, getting material, uh, with a lot of the, uh, you know, issues going on in the world today, it's becoming more and more difficult to, to get some of those material. It's number one, to try to keep the price to where it's affordable and not make a mid-year price hike just because material costs went up. So you have to be smart in the way you order materials and making sure you get them. And then for us, it's machine time, allocating those those times that make those parts uh, to do it. When you have a huge influx like we have 
this year, your forecast kind of goes to crap. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know what I mean? So it's, so really allocating the time, you know, the outdoor group, the employees there, they've been uh, outstanding. Uh, you know, we've been running 24 hours a day for quite some time, uh, just trying to stay ahead of things, uh, constantly setting up new machines, uh, trying to keep things in motion. But the biggest struggle for us really is just, you know, getting uh, getting the materials in and then allocating the machine time. But you're right, you know, some of the other people, too, that we work with, talking with other manufacturers, import costs, you know, f- for containers uh, and everything, all of that has changed uh, via this year. So, therefore, it's created a lot of difficulties, number one, on just them receiving their product without having to jack up their prices uh, because those prices of the, of the, their product getting here has went up. Yeah, uh, which was unforecasted from from anybody. You know, nobody would ever guess that it it uh, jacked up as high as it did. But uh, so yeah, it's literally in, in every you know every category, not just the hunting, but fishing, also anything outdoor recreational, just anything lumber. You know, everything. Yeah. It's been um, you know, it's just it's definitely had a lot of a price hike into it and the challenges with every one of them yeah and i'll tell you this uh, i feel kind of like a dirtbag dad at the moment i promised my oldest or my oldest boy and my daughter that i was going to build a loft for them in their bedrooms right you, uh, something off the ground probably about yeah. four feet and then they could have this little play area underneath of it well <laughs> they kept they keep reminding me dad you said you were you promised you were going to do this for us and i said i know but i didn't know that lumber prices were going to be so ridiculously expensive like pre-covid when i made the the promise to now like so that project went from about a hundred dollars to about 350 dollars and uh i'm not gonna do that uh yeah so i gotta i gotta i gotta choose my words carefully on uh, on how i say well you're not gonna i i will get it to you but it's not gonna be right now yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I went and I had a little project that I was going to do. I was going to build like a pegboard and uh, like a new little archery bench for when I work on bows and stuff, you know. And I went to uh, Home Depot, and you know those carts they push around in there. I thought they were going to have to put me on one of those and wheel me back out to my truck <laughs> before I when I when I got in there and looked at how much that was going to cost. So I was like, yeah. no, nope, that can wait. That can wait. Uh, I'll use my tailgate. Right, exactly. Uh, but. Uh, you ain't, you ain't kidding, boy. It's, it's it's definitely a challenge. I'm hoping to see it start to, you know, go the other direction and get back to, to somewhat normal. Yeah. Uh, you know, Absolutely. here soon. All right. Let's get into dual game calls because um, game calls in general kind of uh, fascinate me as far as how they work, you know, like – I'll I'll just give you a short example, a short story. I had a um, a grunt tube, and I, I tell this all, this story all the time in the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast that I had for like mm-hmm. twelve years, m- maybe even longer than that. And I had it, and it was the most realistic sounding grunt tube that I ever used. And I'm talking to the point where I would pull that, you know how sometimes when a buck's coming by, he's going to be out of range, but you want to either get a closer look at him or you want him to come in and you hit him with that one, just the one. Mm-hmm. They stop, yep. they get impatient, they turn around, they come walking towards you. I did that with so many deer on that grunt call, and then one day I lost it. 
and I have no idea where it went, even after all these years. And I still, to this day, have not found a a game call that like resembles that grunt. And I don't even know what brand it was. It was probably some some random call that I bought at Walmart all those years ago, but it just worked. So my question to you yep. is, what makes, and this is kind of a high-level random question, but what makes a, a game call, and I know Duel has like um, whitetail calls, they have uh, um, elk calls, I believe, and then they also have predator calls. So what makes a good game call? Oh. Uh- there's a lot of things that go into that. You know, a lot of people can, they can construct a call and make a blow, you know, make, make the, the call produce sounds and to where you as a user have to manipulate those sounds to make it, try to mimic the animal that you're trying to sound like a good, to me, a good call is you have to know the animal that you're trying to hunt. So a deer, you know, they're very vocal animals, you know, we just don't hear it a lot, but they, they vocalize quite often. So being able to have a call that can produce kind of that nasally sound of whether it be elk, deer, uh, predator, because it, there is a uniqueness to it. And every, they're kind of like humans. My voice sounds different than your voice. That's how they kind of identify the same way. It all sounds somewhat similar to us, but to a deer, it doesn't. Right. So being able to, being able to mimic uh, those, those sounds it can be can be challenging, uh, but you have to. There's there are certain techniques and stuff. Say say with a grunt call, with a uh, uh, a doe bleat, even uh, all the way to elk and predator as well. That you have to have you know know how you need to push push air through the call. You have to know the call as well yeah. because you can overblow into a call in a lot of cases too, and it sounds like a you know a grunt call would sound like a wounded duck. Yeah, you know. So, uh, so you have to kind of learn how to manipulate the call itself. But being ease ease of use is probably the the most important when it comes to that because once you know you got to trust that the call company has has its technology and design down to mimic the call to the best of its ability. Yeah. And I will promise you that Dual is one of those because um, we. We get a lot of messages by saying this is the most realistic call of sound of, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, dual it stands for dual chamber, and every every animal that has vocalization has two chambers of air. You have your throat and your nasal. So when the throat is going out your mouth, and it also comes out your nose, so you have air coming out both holes. If you plug one, I'm gonna plug my nose right now and talk, and you could tell that my voice changed, right? Right. So when when those air when that air goes through and splits up into both chambers and then rejoins as it's exiting, that's how you're producing both of those both of those sounds. Dual mimics that exact uh, that exact thing. You know yeah. that's why there's two chambers. Whenever it blows, you're blowing through one hole or through over the reed. The air is passing over the reed, then it's going. Then the air splits and rejoins as it exits the call, just like it would, uh, you know, on an animal. They say it's the most anatomically. I know that's a big word, and uh, but uh, correct call that that's available today. Okay, so you say technology, you say uh, research, that kind of stuff. How how do you at dual game calls listen to something made in nature 
and then try to get that exact noise in a game call, right? I mean, because I've heard, especially with whitetails, whitetails have crazy vocalization, right? They have, they could, it could be a, a real deep, you know, like a, a buck roar or a deep grunt. Mm-hmm. It could also be like, and they can control it loud. They can control it soft. They can have different ranges, high and low in, in, in how they are, are grunting or, or vocalizing. Same with does. Um, so mm-hmm. how do you guys match that? Well, we're fortunate enough, like for us, you know, respecting MTV and stuff like we, we document a lot of that, any of those encounters that we have. So we'll go back and read and, and rewatch those over and over, break it all the way down just into the sound files and, and also mimic, try to mimic those sound files bases, how the tone board of the call is produced, what thickness of read, because it's not only about the call itself, but it's about the caller because I blow, I may blow a call a little different than, than you blow a call. So you have to come to a happy medium. I know there's a lot of grunt calls out there that, Whenever you pull it apart, you could see uh, the, uh, you know, say a, a O-ring where you can slide up and down the reed for different pitches. And usually they have like a doe bleed or fawn bleed or mature buck, young buck. Well, that's there as just a base. It's just a base, something to reference because everybody blows different. Right. And I tell this to people through some of the calling seminars I've done. You need to find your sweet spot on how you're pushing air through the call. So you may sound like a mature buck, but you also cup the end of the tube or whatever a little bit more to get a more deeper sound. So you may actually need that O-ring on the young buck setting, and it's going to sound deep and actually sound more realistic at that setting as a mature buck because that's the way that you blow the call. So you've got to spend some time to get familiar with the call that you have so you can get, you know, increase the opportunity of being successful in the field. Right. Okay. Now I've seen, you know, calls made from rubber, plastic, even some metal, you know, a variety of different uh, materials. Is there a, a material that is more conducive to a realistic sounding animal? Uh, I think there are different, different materials that do, depending on the style of call that you're 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 using uh for instance i'll use the stretch back grunt call from dual it has a rubber tube that you can literally extend out without making any noise but it'll change the tone of the call on the fly so as you're pushing air through it you can go make those type of sounds and not have like those in the old you know Back in the day when you had those plastic accordions, yep. you, it, you know, <laughs> you know, this, this one's just rubber and you can change that tone uh, like that. So that helps you as to be more realistic. They're based upon how you're moving. So it has a rubber end and, and uh, the plastic molded barrel, but they're built to last the fit. There's a lot of things that also go into our standpoint as a manufacturer. And, you know, you, you have hot air and you have cold air. You know, obviously, with hot air, things that expand, with cold air, things contract. So you've got to meet that happy medium to where you're not going to get a lot of that, you know, expansion uh, to where it's it's so tight and it seizes the call up. And, you know, you want that read, the flow, 
and uh, not stick whenever you're pushing a lot of air or it gets wet too. So yeah. material-wise, it's really based upon the design that's used in the waterfowl world. You know, obviously ac- acrylic is is the key, and you could probably move that over to about any other game call just because it is very crisp, uh, I guess, on the sound. So when you're pushing air through it, the sound is ringing off a little bit more crisp than it is than just a molded plastic call. Yeah. And you brought up uh, something there I, w- I want you to expand on, and that's temperature. Because in mm-hmm. the past, I've had calls that would work great up into uh, up into a, a certain cold temperature, and, and typically it was like before, uh, bef- like after after freezing. So like when it would get below thirty two degrees, I would have to blow harder, or I would I would either have to like blow in it to warm it up, or I even put, had times where I would tuck it in my shirt and put it under my armpit, which sounds weird, yeah. but in order for it to, to be warm to work, um, is there, a, a, like, especially with dual, is there any type of temperature that makes it perform any worse or better than, uh, than another? Well, we've spent a lot of time, uh, on that very thing knowing what works and what doesn't for you know especially with deer calls and predator calls because ultimately that's when you're using those calls through a lot of different temperature spans you know uh you know deer season goes a long time and i'm one of those guys i'll call deer all year long from the first of the season to the end of the season so just for scenarios just like you mentioned earlier about that one deer that you maybe i you just see his legs walking and you've been getting trail cam pictures of a of a dandy buck in that area and there's nothing worse than let's just watching those legs walk off and be like man was that him or not one little call can can basically predict your next you know what you need to do next he could give up their location as far as saying okay that is a buck or or you know if that's an animal that you want to pursue and trying to harvest them then you know it t- kind of gives you the opportunity to make the next move gotcha uh, so yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that, uh, as far as hot and cold, we've get, we have that perfected, uh, all the way down across our line. We test them through extreme temperatures, uh, both hot and cold, and they, they will perform the same. Gotcha. So temperature fluctuation in temperature really isn't an issue. Yeah. Nope. Not, not with our calls. It's not. Okay. All right. So, um, you know, we've talked about the. Uh, you know, you have a, a couple of grunt tubes. You have a couple. What are? Let me pull up the elk. You have. Looks like you got a, a diaphragm, and you got a like a, a bugle tube, and then you got a, like a uh, an elk call as well. Let's talk about learning curve uh, for a second. And I know that you know it's it's probably if from my experience, it takes more of a learning curve to learn how to mimic an elk and, and do the diaphragm aside from, you know, like the, the whitetail grunt tube, it, it doesn't have to sound perfect. Mm-hmm. It's, it's easy mm-hmm. to use, but, uh, an elk elk calling is a little bit more complicated. What is a learning curve like, uh, to properly in, in, I know you've been on elk hunts, you know how to, uh, do elk calls um what's a learning curve on a diaphragm and a bugle tube and and the the products that you offer the thing 
what I like to say is too is is knowing knowing your skill set. A, a lot of people that I talk to that are just getting into elk are trying to utilize a call that, and they're skipping two or three steps. Uh, you know, to try to get to an advanced level when really this intermediate level is going to be just as just as uh, beneficial to you in the field as the advanced level will be. Uh, and but and that's learning how to use it. Like you said, a diaphragm is going to be a little different. Diaphragm, a lot of the diaphragm out calls out there are used because you can mimic a cow, and they also utilize that with a tube uh, bugle in as well to to uh, you know to try to sound like a a male and a female call, and you can sound like multiple elk at one time. So if you can run a turkey diaphragm, most likely you can run an elk diaphragm. It's just all in technique, where you're pushing the the air and how you want to to mimic the sound. You know, eel, eel is yeah. what uh, that's what a cow elk will do, and then you'll put a little voice reflection into it would say you want to growl at a bugle it'll be more like a you know and just push more and more air so you get a higher pitch yeah so it's really a practice you got to practice with it and then the only thing that i'll teach you about when to use them is being in the woods yeah yeah all right so i want to take i want to go back to to whitetails uh a second mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. i used to be that guy who would rattle and blind call and and grunt and snort always like all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I found that overcalling was a, an issue for me. Uh, deer Mm -hmm. would come down wind. I'd either get busted or the deer that I was hunting would come down wind. And then obviously, uh, scent check the area, not feel comfortable and take off. Um, when it comes to, uh, do, like game calls. How do you? How do you? And we can use whitetails as an example. How do you talk to people? You said you've put on seminars before. How do you talk to people mm-hmm. about when and how to to call based off of things like body language or if a deer is alert versus a deer is relaxed, like all of those types of scenarios? Okay. Yeah. So we'll go through uh, the three different phases of the season and, and just how, like I said, this is my personal opinion. This is kind of what works for me. Uh, and we'll start early season, early season. The deer are still friend. The bucks are still buddies in a lot of cases. Uh, because if you're in ch- a chance to hunt a velvet state where they're still in velvet or, you know, they're all still friendly and, and, and buddies, uh, they're battered up in a lot of cases. There's a lot more foliage on the trees and uh, so early season and then all the way to the first part when their food sources are starting to change and they're going towards, uh, uh, you know, fallen acorns if those are where the beans are turning yellow and they're just changed, going to a green source or whatever. So in, in this tech case, I use a doe bleed a lot in association with a short, short grunt. The reason for that is because you still have a lot of immature deer fawns that are just coming out of spots. And they're always vocalizing with their mother. And they're, uh, so in a lot of cases, too, you'll see other deer communicate. The fawns, you'll see them running around the field, all the other deer in the, in the field, uh, you know, just playing. So I like to mimic that a lot early season because those deer haven't experienced the season yet or a lot of, you know, they're, they're you know, humans being in the woods. Yeah. 
so a lot, in a lot of cases, those those fawns will go around bleating a little bit and all that. And so if I see a deer and I don't know what it is, I'll usually give a little fawn bleat this time of year. It's to, ah, ah. Not, not necessarily because this is a deer that I want to harvest. It's because I don't know what deer it is. Yeah. Because a lot of times if you see that one set, that could be the deer you're after. And like I said earlier, if you watch him walk by, you're always going to wonder if it was. Yeah. So it's better to know, okay, yeah, this is, oh, that's him, that's him. That way you can, it'll let you know what you need to do next. Uh, you know, that's that's one way that I use, uh, like, say, the doe bleat or fawn bleat in early season in association with the short grunts, just a, not super loud and and just, just, just to get their attention. Right. Now yeah. you get up a little bit later in the year where, it's, you know, their bucks are laying scrapes. Now they're a different animal. Their hormones are different. Now they're in more they're territorial. I want to clean this area. I want the does on this area whenever they come into heat. These are my deer. Uh, so now they're going to be more aggressive. And as far as setup, and so you're talking about deer trying to blind calling and circling your wind. I, I have sets that I have hung that for this time of year not because they're in the most premium spot it's because they're like 30 to 50 yards off that premium spot because i want to utilize the call to bring the deer to them because that and usually i set those up where i can have a predominant wind and i'll only go and hunt those stands those times the reason why is because if i do blind call the deer's not going to be in a get in a position to where they can win me yeah. they're going to be able to come around the front of me so i'm not sitting on the x i'm bringing the deer to me if that makes sense because most of the time the x is where the deer want to be so they can go to either side of you yeah you know and but if you move it off and bring because if a deer comes to you there most likely he's going to be an aggressive deer and he's going to finish he's going to commit yeah and now the the last one is and that's usually um, during that phase you know all grunt rattle and, and everything uh, to get just to get their attention and try to challenge them. Now the next phase is could be two weeks after what we just talked about, and that's uh, you know when the deer are really seeking phase uh, you know cruising, and you want to get their attention. And you talked about them getting downwind and you know or standing there staring at you. Uh, one tip that I, I've talked about in my seminars for years is is you know being able to associate capture another sense. I know a lot of your listeners and yourself as well have grunted at deer. They've stood out there at 60 yards just staring your direction. The chess match. That's the chess match. That that It's like, okay, I can't move. The deer's looking at me. I can't move. He's looking. I know he heard me. And then, you know, finally he puts his head down. So you got to grunt again. A lot of times what I do is I carry a Ziploc bag. Uh, this sounds total redneck. I get it. Uh, people can... That, but I'm, it's it's a it's a technique that I've used and it's worked a lot. And and I, the leaves are starting to fall now, so I fill up just a little quart size Ziploc bag full of leaves. And whenever I get in that chess match with a deer, with their standing there looking, I have that bag of leaves with me, and I can squeeze that bag of leaves behind me so they can't see, like right up against me in the tree, uh, for instance, to sound like there's something there you're capturing another sense and a lot of times that deer will will commit and and work its way closer go from that 60 yard to 30 yards and possibly present a shot opportunity and it has several times for me yeah um uh, 
it's just like I said, really about it's using your call in conjunction with with knowing how to read that animal uh, as well, uh, because you have to get their attention. You know, if they can't hear you, they're not going to come. So you got to make sure they can hear you. And then last is late season. That's when you're going to go right back and you're going to go back to reverting to, I'm not going to call super aggressive. I'm going to get more soft and more social because the deer are starting to yard back up and herd back up because they're trying to replenish themselves from the rut. And they're really, they're worried about the three things that a deer needs to survive. And that's food, cover, and water. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yep. That's, uh, all awesome information, by the way. Um, especially the X, right? Uh, I, mm-hmm. I don't like, and that's an advanced move. Uh, if, if we're going to sit here and talk strategy a second, um, mm-hmm. I always try to stay off the X no matter what. And it, like my shooting mm-hmm. lane is in the center of an X, but not me, right? There's always got to mm-hmm. be some kind of an escape for, for the wind, especially for whitetail hunting. And, you know, mm-hmm. we all, and that's where going back to the, uh, the original grunt call that I had and you hit them with that, they, it, yep. I don't know. It's just something about that, that I get geeked out on. And, uh, I don't know. Oh, don't for know. sure. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, so when it comes to, I want to, I want to pop into, I don't do a lot of this, but I want to pop into predator, uh, hunting for a while because, I don't know much about it, but I do know that the guys who are predator hunters are very serious about their calls, how they operate, like the realness of, of a call. Because, you know, coyote, they don't call them wily coyotes for nothing. They're, they're intelligent canines mm-hmm. who will back off if they, if they feel there, there's a problem there, right? So what is yep. it, first off, what is it about... Um, uh, predator hunting that these guys have to have to have the most realistic sounding calls. Well, the, there's a couple things. Predator hunting is one of the fastest growing areas of, of hunting. Uh, and because two, number one, the predator count is, is up tremendously. Uh, and so therefore there's more and more of them. Uh, but they are very particular. Coyotes are very keen to, to, what's their surroundings and what they're hearing. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of predator hunters out there use electronic calls and that's great. Uh, but with that being said, people are creatures of habit. We're all creatures of habit. So therefore when we go out to a piece of property that's loaded up with coyotes and you throw on, you put that electrical call, that electronic call out, what people tend to do is hit the same sounds. So they may have a hunt where they're really successful, shoot two or three coyotes, and they're hitting these sounds. And then they go out there again with the expectations, and then they are creatures of habit. They hit the same sounds again. Yeah. Where, where our calls really step into play here is utilize those electronic calls, and you can hit those sounds, but blow your handheld calls alongside it. Because you can't mimic the handheld call, so therefore you're always going to have something different. So even some of the keenest coyotes, you may not, you may not get them to commit to 20 yards, the fourth or fifth time out, but you may be able to get them to where they're out there at 100 and they present a shot still, because you're you're you know spiking their curiosity uh, even more. Yeah. So if there's one thing that that I could say is 
don't get complacent in just a electronic call. Because, like I said, we are creatures of habit. Whether we know it or not, we are. When you climb up in a tree, everybody kind of has a routine. Okay, I'm going to hang my backpack up here. I'm going to hang my bow up here. I want my, my arrow and quiver right here. You know what I mean? It's just just the nature of the beast. We're all human. And it's no different when we, when we apply these calls. So really, Dual has the dual chamber technology. They're super easy predator calls to blow. And they're great in conjunction with that electronic call that you use. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, now, as far as the construction, the material, all the same, is it across all the all the calls, you know, all the categories that you have from predator to elk to whitetail? Uh, materials are all the same, or is there something special about a predator call that you have to um, add a, a separate I don't know, add a separate read or a separate process or, or something different to, to get it to sound uh, realistic? No, it's all about airflow. Okay. Uh, it's all about airflow, the way that you push the air. You know, it's another one where you need to, especially if you're trying to use a howler or sort, you just got to learn how to push the air through the call and make the sound that you want. Uh, distress calls, we have a closed freeze uh, system. Uh, for the distress calls, which is super easy, super easy. Anybody, any beginner, anybody can use those calls, and they're highly effective. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, so the last thing I have to ask you here, Larry, is uh, if there's a guy out there, whether he's a predator hunter, an elk hunter, or a, uh, a whitetail hunter, and he's looking to pick up some calls before the season starts, why should they consider a dual game call? Uh, we kind of went over it. Dual is, it's one of the most realistic sound thing calls out there. Not because of, it's because of the two chambers, you know, you being able to push the air through there and the air splitting, just like any animal, any living creature that has vocalization has it. Right. Uh, and dual mimics that very thing. Uh, and so all, whether it's a stretch ground call, the dual, the double background call all the way uh, to the the warriors call from the, which is an open read howler child call, they all have that, and and you will see the animals respond to it, and it's just a matter of, of getting one and using it. I mean, there's a lot of great call companies out there. There's there's a lot of animals that's been you know uh, taken with a with just a single channel call, no two channel, no two channel. But the question that you got to ask yourself is. If I would have had a, a two-channel, would things have been different on some of those hunts that maybe weren't successful? Successful? Yeah. Did I actually sound like that animal? Well, I can assure you that, you know, dual is probably going to be, uh, it's one of the most effective systems out there, especially once you once you practice and, and learn how to mimic those sounds. And, and I'm always open to free to answer any questions. So if any of your listeners, they can message me at, uh, on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, whatever or or get with you on it as well and you can get with me and i'd be more than happy to help out uh, however i can yeah absolutely and i'm sure the listeners would appreciate that hey larry man i really uh, appreciate you taking time out of your very busy day to hop on and chat with us about dual um if people want to find out more about dual game calls where should we send them uh you go to dualgamecalls.com uh they do facebook dual, and instagram page too dual games uh, do game calls as well uh, but yeah send us a question we'd love to answer. we'd love to help out any way we can 
And uh, yeah, give us a try. I mean, we've, we're really confident in the calls we produce and that, uh, you know, uh, and passionate not only about, about every call that leaves the building. Sounds good. Larry, good luck this upcoming season. All right. Thank you. You too.